mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. Uh, this episode is a little bit delayed. It was supposed to come out last week. We've caught up with UK ice hockey royalty, Danny Myers. And unfortunately, uh, shortly after Danny and I finished our chat, he let me know that Coventry Blaze assistant coach Dale Keane had died suddenly, aged 33. He was a close friend of Danny's. They've done coaching together at GB. And like most people in this sport, kind of grow up playing it together. It's, a, it's an incredibly tight-knit family of people that are involved in it all across the country. Um, in light of that, we chose to, to delay the episode for a week. Obviously, in, in memory of Dale, we didn't really want to have Danny putting too much out there. They're going to have People that are involved are going to have a lot on their plate, as it is. Um, for myself, I didn't personally know Dale. I'd, I'd not had the pleasure of meeting him. I do know people that knew him very well, and I know people that met him in fleecing occasions, and no one has a bad word to say about the about the young man that was so so passionate about the game that we all love um and that sort of comes out from everybody the outpouring of grief on social media from players and other coaches and from parents alike parents of players that he has coached uh you know sh- truly show what a great loss to the game he is going to be um and just from myself as, as zero pucks given i just like to send my uh, my thoughts my wishes to his friends his family and his teammates for this incredibly difficult time and anybody that is struggling you know I'm by no means a mental health professional but my my DMs are always open if you just need to talk it's something that we need to do constantly um as men as women as people as humans we just need to be checking on each other making sure that we're okay and making sure that our headspace is is in the, in the right space and that we don't we don't go down any dark and narrow paths it's uh, an incredibly sort of tragic year it's been for the sport if you look at the likes of Alex Graham, Mike Hammond, Adam Johnson, and now and now Dale Keane, 
it's um the sport has suffered in the last 12 months as a community i know that they're we're, we're a strong community that will sort of band together and help each other as and where needed but as i said from zero parks and from the, the bottom of my heart to to dale Keane's friends and family and his teammates you know truly truly my thoughts are with you after this this tragic loss um put this episode out in in memory of dale and i do hope that you you sleep well sir Well, then this is episode 86. Uh, we are flying through them now. We are certainly rattling down towards 100, and it's still uh, still got it on my mind what I'm going to do for the 100th episode because that's going to be quite a special occasion. Um, it's looking like it may actually fall on playoff weekend, which will be uh, will be quite interesting. So when I started Zero Pucks Given, and I was obviously sort of... Uh, I'd, I'd, I've only really been watching sort of UK hockey for the last sort of four years, five years, just before COVID, really. So the... I knew who Danny Myers was. I, I was aware of his uh, his exploits at some of the top clubs in the country with GB. But what really sort of intrigued me was what's going on down at Ozone. It's something that I've discussed with Pete Wynn, with Sam Chima, with with coaches and players alike, that everyone kind of knows that the reason that Great Britain is behind the eight ball with the likes of USA and Canada and some of the countries in Europe is the, just the lack of ice. We don't have ice here naturally, really. There's a couple of, you know, sort of, ODRs that, that can be used in Oxfordshire and Cambridgeshire, but they're not there for actual hockey. There's, uh, there is just a, a pure lack of facilities, and our guys need to be on the ice every day if they're going to improve. I'm really excited about this idea that's coming out of Cardiff with the Cardiff Canucks with uh, Jimmy Hendrick, uh, Jeff Hendricks, excuse me, Jimmy Hendricks, <laughs> Jeff Hendricks, who's uh, starting up the, this sort of academy sort of vibe there where the guys are going to be on the ice in the morning, do some school in the afternoon, and hopefully the Cardiff Canucks will be dropping into the NHL one south next year, which with the addition of the Haringey Huskies, will make that a 10-team division. So that's going to make that really interesting. And obviously I know there's probably a little bit of um, red tape and stuff and T's and I's to dot and cross, but um, I would love to see that happen for me. I think that's a, a fantastic idea. Um, similar to sort of the... Um, the OHA Academy that we had when we spoken to Joe Llewellyn, he was part of that as well, sort of Swindon-based uh, Ice Hockey Academy. But yeah, that's fantastic stuff. And uh, what Danny's doing down at the Ozone is just mind-blowing. He's obviously got Colin Booth involved down there as well, doing a lot with the off-ice stuff as well as the on-ice. And if we can sort of start harnessing these these facilities and these, these coaches, that's the main thing. The main thing... As, uh, as you'll hear Danny discuss shortly, the main thing with the Ozone is that it's, well, it's his name on it, it's his reputation. It's got to be a hell of a good product. So hopefully if we can sort of get that multiplied, we can we can have them all over the country. But uh, I don't want to take up any more of Danny's thunder because what, what he speaks about so passionately is, is just fantastic to listen to. And it's very engaging as well. So I thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, with Danny and I really do hope you enjoy it too. Zero Pucks Given in partnership with the Hockey Art Co. Manscaped Male Grooming Products and on the Sports Social Podcast Network. We are absolutely delighted to welcome UK Ice Hockey Hall of Famer, former Guildford Flames, Basingstoke Bison, or oh got Coventry Blaze, Nottingham Panthers, got more titles than Apollo Creed. Danny Myers, how are you doing, fella? I'm good, buddy. How's things? Yeah, really well. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. 
Well, uh, obviously, you're, we've just spoken a little bit of uh, your career was extensive. Your UK Hockey Hall of Fame, and now congratulations on that induction that was Thank earlier you. this late last year, I believe, wasn't it? Uh, yes, just before Christmas, yeah. So, I mean, your your career, as we've said, has been well documented. You, there's many videos of, uh, as we've said, more of your physical confrontations than your technical prowess. Yeah, it's funny because obviously here at the Ozone, uh, you know, kids are on YouTube all the time. And so what tends to get more views on YouTube and come up in people's search history is fighting, uh, which is quite ironic. I mean, I maybe th- fight maybe three, four times a year. Um, but there's obviously there's a few that are in there that are quite infamous. Obviously, the commentary Nottingham Blaze Brawl. And so, you know, like kids come up to me and they're like, oh, I saw you on YouTube. And I'm like, I know what's coming. I know they're going to talk about commentary. And I kind of want to say to them, like, Guys, I didn't fight that much, no. but it seems to, you know, for the young kids, it's uh, it's obviously a... Um, Most everyone... It's, it's a way of starting a conversation. A <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I certainly wasn't a prolific fighter or anything like that. Um, I certainly wasn't a tough guy at all. I would always... Uh, I I never fought for myself. I, I always fought sticking up for a teammate, mm. um, which was, you know, obviously being captain in Nottingham and assistant captain in Sheffield and... Then my kind of being older um, with with the Guildford team, I just I always like to to do whatever I could for the team. There was a time where I just needed to kind of step in and and uh, either give the the team a job or or fight for one of my teammates. That that was me. I, I don't I never had a fight uh, where I was like angry at someone. Um, it wasn't necessary part of my game but I, I try to pride myself on being the best teammate that I could and inevitably sometimes that leads to, to fighting yeah and obviously aside from all the the career stuff after that we've now gone on to what I'm assuming is like some sort of director of hockey role at the ozone rink in Bracknell and a podcast host as well with what's next coach <laughs> the director of hockey to be honest with you mate I I don't know how many titles? I don't know what you call me, to be honest with you. No. I, 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 <laughs> As um, I said, more titles than Apollo Creed. I, I, I guess, uh, yeah, obviously founder, owner, um, hockey operations, rink operations, um, counsellor sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> advisor. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like course, it, isn't it? it is. It's very much <laughs> so. And, uh, and you know, the podcast that I've started was, was really kind of an extension. What I was finding was, you know, I was coming off the ice and, and you know, very kindly parents, uh, you know, they, they want to know some advice for their kid. And, and generally, like if I'm like on a Thursday or Friday, which are extremely heavy days for me, um, I'm on the ice. I come off 15 minutes for an ice cart, go back on. And like Thursdays, I'm on the ice from 5.45 till 9.15. Fridays, I'm on the ice from 5 till 11 o'clock. This is PM. Um, So just being able to time to to like speak to people, uh, which is something I always want to do. I always want to kind of help as much as I can. And so the podcast kind of came about with it, whereas my I've been fortunate enough through my playing career and now with what I'm doing that I've got um, a lot of great coaches around the world in my in my phone book and I kind of felt that it was the best way for me to open up my phone book and my contacts to to as many people as possible so the conversations that I have with uh you know the guys from the NCAA or the USHL or the AHL or you know Joe Quinn McDavid's coach like I'm I have amazing conversations with these people who really really helped me out and I just kind of wanted to open up um, where I discuss it on my podcast and get these guests on my podcast so other people can hear the information that I'm getting. 
Um, So a little bit of, you know, education for people. Like there's there's just so much that goes into coaching and there's so much thought. The way the game is played now in in Europe and North America, we are certainly behind with our training, with what we do. It's everything that I that I wanted to do with Ozone and have done with Ozone, where we have brought, you know, we are teaching kids at twenty four, uh, two thousand twenty four, kind of. That that's we we are doing exactly what the Americans are doing and the Canadians are doing. That was really a big thing for me. So like I'm constantly learning all the time. Like I'm on, you know, I was speaking with the U.S. National Development Program director three days ago, and he's telling me everything they're doing to try and build USA Hockey. Mm. Um, and I'll I'll have him on the podcast soon as well because he's agreed to do it. Um, so then people can hear that. It's not just me hearing it. So hopefully other uh, coaches around the, like certainly junior coaches can hear that around the country. Other parents can kind of get a perspective. Of, okay, this is what coaches are looking for. And, you know, most importantly, the players can go, right, I kind of, I think I'm doing well, or maybe I don't think I'm doing well. And actually you are. Um, kids kind of get locked into what they perceive a coach wants and what looks good. Mm. Um and sometimes it's like completely opposite. I mean, like if I do video review and I'm going, I'm reviewing someone's team and I'm going through their game footage, if they can see the goal, like I'm taking that back around 25 seconds. To see I want to know where, what where happened 25, at least 25 seconds before that. You know, like the puck has gone 200 feet. What has happened? Was there a misassignment on the forecheck? Did we not angle correctly? Um, was it a bad change? Did we dump the puck into the wrong corner as they're coming through the neutral zone? Uh, did we not surf correctly? Were we, what was our sentiment below their sentiment when he should have been higher? And then in kind of into the offensive zone, what was our structure there? Should we have, should we have played body? Should we have played stick? Like there's so many attributes to what happens for a goal to be scored or conceded. It's not just the, well, there's a guy left alone in the slot. And he was open and he scored. There's a reason why that happened. You know, was there a switch? Maybe it was a nice play. And so just being able to, for the players to understand that, like, we we don't look for Michigans. <laughs> 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 we don't look for that stuff. Uh, you know, we if someone scores a goal, we want to know how we got that putt to that player that scores the goal. And there's... Just being able to educate the players because we don't want everyone the same as well. Like we don't want a team no full of skilled players. guys. No. no, and you and you want you want guys that can, you know, play well off the park and and you know, not every good player can play well with another good player. Believe mm. it or not, because they want all the touches. They want they want the puck going through them all the time. They want to be the guys starting it all, but. I think this is kind of lead like leans into kind of international hockey where that isn't the case. You get less time, you get less space. And for some players, they just can't adapt. And for some players that on paper or quote unquote aren't as good as the top players, they actually thrive. And I think when I look back on to my career and, and where my career went is because I was able to adapt um, in the different roles that I had. I mean, I was a forward until I was 19. Um, then became a, an offensive defenseman uh, in Bracknell. And then when I signed for the Panthers, they had like Corey Nielsen, Jan Krychek, um, and a guy called Mike Reese, all imports. Like I wasn't going to get on the power play. 
Yeah. But then I became a defensive defenseman. So I was like, well, if I'm not going to get power play minutes, I'm going to be the best penalty killer I can be. So if we were a goal down with a minute and a half to go, I knew I wasn't getting on. But if we were a goal up with a minute and a half to go, I know I'm playing that whole minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was an important role for my team. And it was something that I was able to, or, you know, like, like anyone else, I, I would love to be a high-scoring forward. I mean, you, you get all the acclaim, don't you? Um, and a defensive defenseman isn't the most glamorous. But what I realized was that it was a job, it was a, it was a, a role that I threw myself into. It was a way for me to have an important role on the team. Um, it was a way for me to earn my ice time. And so I adapted, and it was the same as Sheffield. And then, funny enough, like when I went down to Guildford in the EPL, they needed to be my, an offensive defenseman. All right, let's roll it back. And now I've got to learn how to be offensive defenseman. So just being able to be adaptable, uh, like when I picked my GB Olympic team there, like they were, I needed flexibility in my team. I needed all sorts of different players. So well, there were some players that weren't selected that are really, really good hockey players. But I couldn't have eleven of them. No. I needed I needed them to the, be the able three to three roles. Yeah, oh, so I yeah. could only pick eleven. And so, you know, just a bit long winded this, isn't it? Me me going back to the podcast is more <laughs> of a trying to open up my my phone book to people so they can listen to the sort of conversations that I have and just trying to educate coaches, parents and players as much as I can. Mm. We think if you're going into the junior hockey world, some of the coaches are volunteer parents that might not have the experience in the game that you have got. So for them to to hear that kind of stuff, it just kind of brings their knowledge up a little bit. Yeah, and it's like I often kind of think about this because I try to put myself in other people's shoes. And as you say, like we need to have volunteers, uh, coaches as much as we can. But like if you're a coach and you're volunteering and you've done this to help that club and all those kids, like first and foremost, hats off to you. But if you're not getting any support, if you're not getting any new practice plans, if you're going into a practice and you're like, you know what, like I'm not quite sure how, what to work on or I know what I want to work on, I just don't know how to to do it. Like then all of a sudden, like maybe you start running the same drills all the time. If you're running the same drills all the time, the players start to get bored. Mm. Once the players get bored, then you lose them. And so it's tough being a a volunteer and, and... truthfully like there is nowhere near enough support for the volunteer coaches and there's like i have a lot of a lot of the kids that i coach here um whose fathers are, are dads um like it's been really cool to be able to speak with them like because i'll go i'll go out and i'll coach their kids and then like i'll be able to speak to them afterwards and i'll be like this is what i was doing this is what i was looking to do this is what i found and this is how i'm trying to put it right and then you just start that conversation and tr- trying to be able to help people out because for some people they don't even know where to get help no and that's a big big problem and our as a as a as a gb junior program we're only as good as our coaches and if we don't i know we talk about doing more for the players which is right for me personally, it starts with the coaches. If you don't have the coaches, then you're not going to have the players. That's where it's got to start. So that's that's highly important for me to just try and help as many coaches as possible. Mm. And I mean, when I, I'm sure obviously GB is under the auspices of the uh, Ice Hockey UK. Uh, before Christmas, I spoke to Pete Wynn, who's the general manager of coaching for England. Yeah, I was with Hockey. Pete last night. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Pete did sort of say he's gonna, that's what he's looking at doing is giving the support to those coaches. We had a really good conversation last night. 
Yeah, Pete and I had a really good conversation last night. My youngest boy was playing in Swindon last night, and um, Pete's just he's just gone into the the Swindon um, academy there. So like I'm I kind of my 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 boys play there, and I kind of help the coaches as much as I can. Um, uh, uh, but Pete's gone in there; he's taken that over. We had a really good conversation last night, uh, where kind of pulled me to one side and say, "Hey, this is what I'm looking to do." He he spoke about being able to educate skills development uh, for coaches. Asked me would I help, and I said, "Pete, like I offer everyone help all the time. Mm. I have given so many proposals to the EIHA." but I never hear back. And so, yes, again, I will re-motivate myself to help. Pete's a good guy. I like Pete. Um, so he has asked for help, which I'm only happy to do. Mm. But the main problem, as me and Pete discussed, and uh, Sam Chima, I believe, is running a, a coaching thing at yours at the Ozone. Teams is awesome. Teams we, is awesome. We discussed the main issue then is the facilities in this country. That's why we're so far behind America and Canada and other countries in Europe. So was this the origin behind the ozone? Yeah, very much so. Basically what had happened was that I um, – so I was in Nottingham, Sheffield for obviously a long time. I'm originally from Bracknell Way, and so is my wife. And, like, before we left, I we got engaged – we got married, and three weeks later we moved up to Nottingham. And so my wife was like, we are coming home, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. And um, – I just finished my season with the Steelers. Uh, we just won the playoffs. Uh, I'd gone away with GB again and uh, kind of came back. And my and my wife was like, what else is there for you to do now? And she kind of made a good point. And, like, you know, I'd kind of achieved everything that I'd ever really wanted to achieve as a hockey player and trophies and stuff. And, you know, she sacrificed a lot for me, for me to live my dream. And so uh, I was like, you know what, let's let's go home then. Let, let's go home. So I signed with Guildford, uh, which is only half an hour from 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 her family and stuff. Uh, spent three years with with Guildford in the lower league in, in what was known as the EPL then. And I was gonna play one more year, um, but then Guildford announced that they were gonna go out to the elite league. And like literally the next day, I walked into Paul Dixon's office. I was like, digger. I'm not going back up to the Elite League. <laughs> I, just, I, I can't go back up to the Elite League with all the commitments to have with that. And so I retired like pretty much like the decision was made in like 24 hours. Um, and so what happened was that at, at my, when I was, I turned pro at 16 for the Basis Oak Bison, which was a league called the BNL, which had 10 imports in. Yeah. And, um, when I turned pro, my dad made me do a carpentry course because my dad was a carpenter. And he was like, I'm fine with you turning pro, but you need to get a trade behind you. And obviously, reluctantly at the time, I was like, I just want to be a hockey player. Yeah. But obviously, me playing basically. Of, of course, dad knows best. And dad told me that I need to get a trade. And, and thank God he did. And so when I, 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 I would work, uh, I had my kind of building company that I would work in, in the summer. Um, and then... At Guildford, I was working a lot more, pretty much full-time while still playing for the Flames. So it was an easy transition for me. I had a job to go to. Um, so then when I retired, I was just doing my construction, and then my two boys started playing. And, like, I remember, like, kind of – like, I never wanted to be a coach, and I never wanted to coach my kids. I never wanted to do it. And I got a couple of phone calls to coach in the uh, – what is now the NHL National, and I was like, if I'm going to – 
like I'm still going to be away all the time from my family and I wanted to be there for my kids the way yeah. that my parents were. So I'm watching and stuff and, you know, just sitting in the stands and then I kind of, you know, people come over, hey, you should jump on the ice. I was like, no, this is my kid's journey. Like I want to stay out of it, blah, 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 blah. And then you're kind of watching you're like, well, you know, I'm seeing stuff. I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting a little bit irritated and like, okay, like th- there can be more here. And so I eventually took over the under nines and the under 11s, which looking back was the best thing I could ever do because when I coached the under nines, they literally force you to go back down to basics. Yeah. You know, I remember one kid saying, I, you know, I can't cross over. And I was like, well, just cross over. Like to me, it's natural. We've been playing since I was four years old. So I had to re kind of learn the game again. And I just found that I just had like so much enjoyment out of it. And at Guildford, like you train at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Wow. And it was just like, that was the happiest I was all week. And then, like, I was getting bogged down with construction. Like, you know, if you're a builder, like, it's a tough game, man. It's really, really tough. And I just kind of was just losing any kind of enthusiasm for life, to be honest with you. And uh, and then my wife was like, you should build an ice rink. You're, you, you're made for this. And obviously I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and... um it kept kind of going on and then eventually like I, I designed it and then I re- and then I kind of was going through what I really wanted to do and what I noticed was that you know at junior clubs they maybe have an hour maybe two hours a week but within that hour training session to go through everything is really really hard yeah and I never as much as I was enjoying coaching I never felt fully satisfied I'd always come off and be like god I wish I had a worked on this or I wish I had a worked on that and so then I realized like I didn't need a full-size ice ring so then I kind of came across and like what ozone is and that's how it all kind of came about and we opened may the may the 4th 2021 obviously no one has ever done anything like this before no one mm-hmm. understood what a training facility was no one understood what can be done on small ice um Bratner would obviously just closed um whereas like now you know I have I have all the England teams. So I've had England's teams here, all GB teams and everything. You know, I, I train kids from – we have uh, a very successful learn-to-play program. Uh, we have shooting clinics, body-checking clinics, power skating, goalie clinics, uh, like literally defense clinics, forward clinics. Like we break down everything. And um, and now it's, it is what it is. And, you know, in the season I – we we also have an elite academy, so like pretty much most of the top kids in the country will travel down from Manchester and Nottingham, and they'll come train with me, and I bring them all together and stuff. And in the summer, um, you know, I do all the pro guys, um, which is nice because some of those kids like like Callum Field, Jasper Foster, Pasquale Twins, um, who else? Like Sam Cooper, Sam Line. Like, they all started in that elite academy and now gone on. Yeah. Uh, Emil Oxdannon, Joe Tomlin, um, Harrison Prentice. Um, we've got we still got Philip Maguire here, Kazakhs, um, Luca Tosradi. Like, there's loads. Christian Moore, Seb Moore. Like, they've all come through our elite academy. And obviously now they've gone on to do what they're doing. And then the cool thing is they come back to me in the summer, so I get to teach them in the summer, so... Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. So I mean, logistically, because it's I've not not been down. It's in fairness, it's a little bit out of the way for me. If I'm ever down that way, I'm absolutely just popping in just to have a look. 
But it's, it's and it's how? Cool, how do you set it up in a warehouse? It's you know, like I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of layers to it. I mean, one of the things I obviously did was that I researched what other rinks do here and where they go wrong. Mm. Um, and so I was able. It's, it's, there's one thing like building a rink. There's another thing running a rink because when you're when you're designing a rink and when you're building a rink, that's when you have all your enthusiasm. Yeah. But like running a rink's a whole different story, and you've got to economically run it correctly. There's no millionaire behind me you know like i have my house guaranteed on this i have my parents house guaranteed on this like i rolled the dice your ass is on the line isn't it it's a, everything is on the line yeah. which makes which i kind of like like i i like that is that the fear of the fire inside to make it work 100 percent. and i think that kind of if i'm being honest with you that was kind of that's what i kind of had as a player you know like i was i was very ambitious i always backed myself I, I I just wanted to achieve. I wanted to dream. And that's kind of got me where I, I was as a hockey player, and now it's got me to, to where I am today. Uh, and there's, there's a lot that goes on, like, behind the scenes. Like, we're constantly, you know, ambient air um, temperature is very, very important in a rink. Like, I walk into a rink now, and the first thing I do is I look at the ceiling. It's the first thing I do. Yeah. And then I go over and I look at the snow pit. Like anyone look at, anyone watching me would just think I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't watch the ice. I go in and I see the setup. Like where's you know for, well, for some rinks they don't have a dehumidifier, but we won't get into that. But just kind of like how how it's all set up, where the entrances to the door is. Like it's really really important. Like how like the temperature inside the rink because that plays around with your ice ice temperature. Yeah, and just being able to separate. Like, even, like, as a human being, like, when you walk into a rink, you're bringing in heat. Yeah. So that transfers onto the ice. So then your chiller kicks in. So your, your ice plant, that, that will start working harder. And then your dehumidifier was taking out the moisture. So, like, like any business, trying to control your electricity bill is extremely hard. You know, like, the whole thing that went down with, like, Ukraine and Russia, like, my electricity bill, like, doubled in yeah, a week. And you're like, Jesus Christ. But you just keep plotting away, and then ultimately, like, the success of what Ozone is now, and people, like, my, my, what I feel success is, is that we have an enormous amount of returning customers, we have a really good reputation, and what we do on the ice, people get their money's worth. And for me, that's success. So take away. So like if I, if we made a pound a year or if we made a million pounds a year, it would make no difference to me with regards to how I feel about ozone. Yeah. It's the product that we have on there. So, you know, in April, it's the first time we're going to do a testing camp. So I'm going to get data on all the players. I want to get data on the ice with regards to their speed and their agility and mobility. Root Kwani has just, uh, he's literally, I think he's gone home now, but he's building a, um, a gym. Uh, here as well. Uh, so he's the strength and conditioning coach for the Guildford Flames and the EIHA, the England program. And then we also have Colin uh, from MG1. So like I kind of, it's not just me, like I bring in like highly skilled people. Like I like to be surrounded by people that are smarter than me or have different ideas to me. So the rink itself has just turned into kind of a hub of 
if you want top-notch training, then like this is where you come. Yeah. Is that though the thing? Because I think a lot of people would, and myself included, when I've spoken to other people, would be rushing to say, let's franchise this. Let's get four of these places all over the I get the an UK. offer every week. Mm. But obviously, every as you're week. saying there, the reputation is what you have in Bracknell. Every that's, week that's I, I, get, I get an email. Every week I get an email. Hey, Danny, love what you're doing at Ozone. Um, me or, I, or, my, or someone I know can get the finances. We can, build, we can build another one. What do you say? The first thing I say is who your coach is. Mm. Because if you don't have the coaches, I'm not putting my name to it. Because of what the standard that we have set here at Ozone, it's, my model is extremely easy for me to franchise out. So I, can, I could build 10 rinks in the next six months. But A, I'm going to build them, and they're not going to be run right, so they're going to be bankrupt in a year. Yeah. And most, personally, most important to me is that people are going to have an expectation of going into these other ozone rinks, and they're not going to get the coaching that they get here. And my name's on the line for that. And I don't want anyone spending money that they don't get what I consider the ozone training. Yeah. And it's really, really important to me because um, hockey is an expensive sport. So people are going to spend, but you've got to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. And I couldn't, like, what, like at Ozone, the way that it's built, like we've got a huge bar, so all the parents um, are up in the bar and they're watching. Like I know every time I'm putting on a session, I'm looking at that bar and I'm going, your kid's going to get your money's worth today. I'm, I'm extremely motivated to do a, a very, very good practice. And so it, it, it holds my accountability, you know? Yeah. So it's at, the, it's at the highest level, which is what people deserve. If you're going to pay to come to Ozone, you're going to get a very, very good session. You're going to meet a whole load of new people. And, you know, as much as I can, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. So, you know, when I talk about the boys that came through our elite, like, you know, like Joe Tomlin, every time Joe, Joe's first game for the Raiders messes him, Hey, congratulations. Joe's first goal, congratulations. You know, Joe made GBA teams. Hey, congratulations. Like, I, I speak to all these guys because I care about them. Yeah. Uh, and, and Joe's such a good kid. And, and there's so many of them, you know, Seb, you know, Seb Moore, like the year that he's having this year. Uh, you know, Christian, Adam Erskine, Jacob Whitesey, um, like all those boys. And then, you know, like, then you've got someone like Sam Lyon, who's just committed to, to Goalgate in, in, in Division One NCAA, like that's amazing. That is amazing, and there's not many kids that deserve it more than he does because he's because he's an ex Chelsea boy as well, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I was just stoked for him to get that. I, I was so proud of him, and, and like I messaged him, I'm like, buddy, like I'm so proud of you. Congratulations! And he messages back, and he was like, "What are we going to do in the summer?" Like that, that's Sam's mindset. Yeah. Like, right, let's start. And then like two days later, he's like, so I've been thinking this is what, what I want to work on and stuff. I'm like, geez, Sam. <laughs> like, All right. Like he, he, he pushes me as a coach because like we've worked on different things for Sam over the last three years. And even when he commits to a D1, he's still like, I want to get better. And that's as much as Sam is – have got a lot of skill and, and a lot of areas. Like his mindset is what makes him the player he is. Yeah, I think with hockey it applies to more than most sports actually. That if talent doesn't work hard, hard work will outdo it. 
Absolutely, and I think this is something that can often get... And when I go back to what I was saying at the start with regards to what players think coaches want. You know, when I'm... If, if I'm on the bench and I'm looking down my line and there's five minutes to go and I've got one of my best players throwing water bottles and snapping his stick because he's losing his mind because he can't control his emotions, mm. like, okay, who's the next person I'm looking for? You know, like skill, like just being the best, most skilled player doesn't mean you're the most important player on the team. It does not mean you're the most important player at all. And the, the, sooner, the players that, that make it to the top are the ones that realize that earlier because everyone has to find that out they're the ones who make it to the top it's perseverance uh continually battling through maybe getting some knocks maybe not being selected for a team uh maybe not getting the ice time but instead of like walking around with your with your lip on the floor they just continue to battle through they're the ones who make it yeah you take your licks you get up and you you go again it's life right it's no different to, to life like you know ozone is is doing great now I had three people walk through the door on the first day. Mm. Like the the first year was hell, absolute hell. Especially but coming out I the back of COVID as well. I yeah, but I kept going, and now we are where we are today, where it's it's going very well. But you know, often and certainly in this day and age, we are so quick to like look at someone's success, but don't delve into the journey for them to get that success. Yeah, it's the iceberg you know? here, isn't it? Oh, massively. And, you know, for me, there's this, there's certain things that I kind of, I go to, like, when I'm feeling, feeling maybe a little bit scared, maybe not having the, a certain confidence at a certain time. Like, here at Ozone, like, I'm always trying to push the boundary. So, like, I kind of take a big, deep breath in, and there's a moment where I'm kind of like, gee, should I go for this? Like, I want it. So, we've got, a, like, a shooting pad here, a glide pad. Uh, it's like synthetic and I want to turn it into real ice because it would just be even more amazing yeah <laughs> but that costs money right <laughs> so so now you know you know I'm gonna do it but you know I have to take that big deep breath in and be like okay we're going we're risking it again I could stay still I could stay comfortable but I'm gonna go for it and um I think for the players if you're if you're expecting everything just to be great and you see these players that may have what you would like, maybe go out and research all the crap that they went through to get there. Yeah. Because hockey can kick you in the teeth. And I've been kicked in the teeth a lot. But I just chose to keep going. Yeah. And you recently took, uh, you were the head coach of the Team GB for the Youth Olympics. Uh, yeah. And as we said earlier, that was like three on three style hockey do you think that's the sort because of, that's what size the ozone is isn't it it's a three-on-three rink do you think that style of the game can improve our junior players it was the gb olympic experience was the greatest scientific experience i've ever seen in my life it was phenomenal so let me tell you the rules so each team has 11 players and obviously two goalies and there's two games going on at the same time so it was in a full-size rink mm. with uh, with temporary boards the games were three minutes, uh, three periods of 15 minutes, and it was on the buzzer, 45 seconds. There were no whistles. There was wow. one face-off. So open a face-off for the period. If a goal is scored, you dig it out. The other team has to retreat two metres. If a goalie makes a save, he puts it to one side, you keep going. It is absolutely relentless. 
to the point where what was happening was because the goalies never got a chance to like reach behind and grab some water because there's no whistles, it keeps going. Yeah. So they're constantly in their stance and they're constantly tracking the puck. So what was happening was that teams were changing their goalies every period because it was too much for them. And Denmark, which they were actually changing their goalie on the fly every seven and a half minutes. Wow. And so penalties-wise, if a penalty – so it's three on three. If someone gets a penalty, there's two officials, and they motion to the official in, in between the benches to say that this team has got a penalty. It stays three on three for the rest of that shift. And then the next shift is three on two for 45 seconds, regardless of how many goals you score. Wow. It's mental. It's say, absolutely there was there was some big scores. This yeah, so really like wide. so La- so Latvia so Latvia were one one cruising. We get six penalties in a row. <laughs> it's eight one within like four minutes later. <laughs> so like you you like obviously look at the score, you're like twenty one twenty four one, you're like Yeah. Like it happens quick. Yeah. And I think from a player point of view, it is the most revealing hockey I've ever seen. Like there is nowhere to hide. So if you can't turn particularly well on your, I don't know, turn left particularly well, everyone in the building can see it, mm. and it's going to be taken advantage of. If you can't make a quick decision, if you can't separate from the player like with, with speed, if you can't skate backwards particularly well, if you're not strong on the boards, if you don't hit the net with your shot, if you can't make a slip pass, if you can't transition quickly on your pivot, if you can't play defense when you're a forward, if you're a defenseman and you can't play forward – Everything gets exposed. You're basically naked on the ice. Like every single part of your game that you're not good at is highlighted. It's all exposed out there. And it's phenomenal. And so from an Intel point of view, what I saw in those players in four days, I couldn't get that Intel in two years. You then add the pressure of playing. You then add the pressure of playing two games in a day. You then add the pressure of, Lost in the morning, got to get yourself up for the game in the afternoon. You then add the pressure of, am I preparing correctly? Am I recovering correctly? So a typical day for me, we would be up at 6, breakfast at 6.30, bus at 7. You get to the, you get to the, uh, to the arena. Um, you're there two hours before, do your warm-up, play the game. You come off, get back on the bus, back to the Olympic Village, eat. The players would have about an hour's rest. I would go do video review, get back on the bus, go back to the arena, play another game. After the game, cool down, do your thing, come back on the bus, eat. I would then have to go into a meeting with the British Olympic Association at 8.30 every night. Uh, sorry, at 9 o'clock every night. By the time I'm out of there, it's about 10 o'clock. I would do video review, go to bed, repeat. So, like, insane. So for the players... Now, let's think about this. So, as I said, my two boys play, and anyone listening to this who have kids that play in the juniors, their league is 18 games for the season. We played seven in four. We've done half a season nearly in four days. days. So, what we were finding was we were hanging with, so Austria, 4-3 down at the end of the second. Denmark, 5-2 down at the end of the second. And bear in mind, it's three and three, so you're right there. Um... Like Kazakhstan, we were like within two goals of them. When it came to the third period, we just couldn't do it. Physically. We just couldn't do it. And kind of like, you know, after every trial and, and this, like I always write my review and I send it off to, to, to Ice Hockey UK and say, right, this is what I saw. 
this is what we need to work on, this is what we're good at. These these players could be really good players. We just need to give them some help here. And um, like I got some questions back from it where they were asking some questions, which was great. And they were saying, oh, it looks like after the second period, like, you know, the team was starting to fatigue. How can we how can we um, help with that in the future? Well, you've got to play games. <laughs> yeah. Because you can run on the treadmill as much as you want. You can be on the bike as much as you want. There's nothing like game fitness. No. Nothing like it at all. So... There is, there are things in our program that need to start. We we need to start doing. I mean, the, like the Latvian team, they had two players that played in the Champions League this year. They were supposed to play the five and five, but Korea took their spot. Like they were unreal, and and they were men. Yeah. I mean, they were men, and you could tell. Like all these teams, they've had strength and conditioning programs since they were like eleven years old. Yeah, yeah. So forget, like, even forget on the ice, like, off the ice, there are certain things that we can do. So, like, coming back to, like, you know, talking about facilities and stuff like that, there's certain things that we don't do that is well within our, our grasp, well within our grasp. And, you know, it's it was just relentless. Like, if you come down on a two-on-one and, like, you miss the net and the puck rims around, like, it's a breakaway for someone else. Like, it was wild. Yeah, on that size ice as well. It's just... It was wild, yeah. man. And what we found, uh, so because it was on the buzzer, 45 seconds, when you do something on the buzzer, it means you go balls to the wall for that 45 seconds, which means you have to compete until the 44 second. And like starting off with the puck was so key. If you could start the shift off with the puck, then the other team are spending the first 10, 15 seconds trying to get it get off it you. Back. So like you've got to compete to the 44th second. Like, where do you, you... We don't get that here. No. We don't get that level of competition um, and just that relentless pursuit for the puck and just being able to, like... Like, they, a lot of these kids were... They were just professional in everything that they'd done. So, why I think it was amazing is that we've now seen that. So, now we go on. So, like, for me personally... Like, I don't mind being, like, in the early stages, the ugly stages of things. I've built an ice rink. Like, no one needs to tell. Like, I'm all right being in the trenches, yeah. right? So, you know, for me personally, like, I always say to people, judge my work on my 2013, 2014 born players. They're the ones I've had from six, seven years old. They, like, the, the other kids that I work with, like, I'm undoing a lot of the stuff. Whereas the six and seven year olds that I've had for a couple of years now, like I've got them from like brand new. Yeah, they're sponsors so, too, aren't they? Yeah, and and so when it comes to kind of like our national program, guess what? Like there's some things that aren't great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm breaking much news here. Now, if you really care, then muck in, or just slag it off. But if you're going to slag it off, you can't. You, in ten years' time. You can't you, 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 you can't be jumping in the celebration. That's all I say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot that needs to be done. I do think it needs to be stripped down. Like anything, if you're rebuilding something, it's going to look ugly for a bit. So you've got to withstand that. Yeah. Um, but if you if you're committed to something, then and, and to turn our program around. You've got to be in this program for a minimum of 10 years. And you've got to know, like, the first two or three years, you're taking step back 
And are you confident enough? And do you have the perseverance to hold your head up high while it doesn't look particularly good? And if well, you are, then then that's what we need. And something they may they may be not. I'm not ignoring, but obviously ability wise, you can coach with the ability with the fitness. Obviously, you're getting the strength and conditioning in down there. The other part of it is the mental side. And as you said, mental fatigue, when you are in a three-on-three game and it's moving at under mile an hour the whole time like that, the mental fatigue must be incredible on these young lads. It was like nothing that they've ever, they've never had before. You know, big crowd, looking across the ice and seeing another nation's jersey. Like that's, mm. a, that's something. Putting that jersey on. You know, yeah. like, you know, you walk the arena that we went into, I mean, like, you know, security everywhere. It was the same with the village, like metal detectors, security everywhere, players lounge on the right hand side, like just power aid of all stuff that you can take. The dressing room, like, you know, leather stalls, like, you know, you're somewhere different. And then stepping out on that ice for that first game and being like, yeah, I'm a pretty good hockey player. And then five minutes in going, I haven't touched the puck. Yeah. And I'm fucked. <laughs> and I'm really, really tired. So then there's that, then you have that kind of, you kind of have that conversation with yourself where you, you either go, all right, I'm going to find a way here or, geez, actually, uh, no, I don't fancy this. Yeah. And um, there's, there's, there's one thing being good here and there's a whole other thing being a good on the international stage. And for some players, uh, were able to adapt and some players weren't and so those players that weren't able to adapt let's now go into helping them you know what can we do to help those guys and we had we had Colin who I know you've had Colin on here before he's just amazing absolutely yeah. amazing um, and so we we'd done some work with Colin and Colin had done a great job but you know nothing gets done over you know five or six kind of meetings you know like it's got to be a long-term thing and I'm a massive advocate for for Colin uh, I see him as an integral part of any growth that we have in this game and the mental part is is so important because I mean you uh I know you like your boxing you know everyone's confident until they get punched in the mouth right yeah and then we'll see yeah. how you respond to that but, well something I said to Colin when I, when I was boxing that in the gym I'd, I'd be unstoppable and I, I'd be in fight camp beating up to, to big fights and people would be looking at me on the pads going there, he ain't he ain't losing. There's no way he's losing, and yeah. I would I'd freeze. I mentally didn't have it on the big night when the lights come on, and I, I mentally froze. And but, uh, it's it's something that you kind of you learn as you know experience. You, you can't get experience until you go through stuff. Hmm. So like where I consider where you know where where I was to the second half of my hockey career, to I was the first half of my hockey career. Like it was night and day my preparation and how like I calmed myself. I remember playing, we played a, a playoff final when I was in Nottingham and we were playing Cardiff in the final and we were major underdogs and Cardiff had like ripped off like 23 in a row that year and we were playing them in the final, like no one gave us a chance. And uh, I like two and a half hours before the game, like I was in Subway getting a Subway and then like with all the fans and they're all looking at me like I had like three heads like what are you doing here <laughs> and um, and then before the final I just sat and read, read the paper I didn't need to get myself up I needed to go the other way I needed to calm myself down yeah. but it's only with experience that I realised that so you know like I I, I learned 
that there were times where I needed to get myself up for a game and there were times where I needed to calm myself down. And like the bigger the game, my mindset was, what can I do to calm myself down? I've done my training. I've been here before. I'm going to trust myself. So let's just breathe our way through this. Now, there are times where, you know, on a February night and you're, I don't know, you're in Telford on a Wednesday night and you're kind of like, Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've got it in me today. And, and well, that's when I'm like, right, got to get myself jacked up here. Yeah. So that's maybe some, I don't know, Metallica music. I don't know, whatever it is. Like that's, yeah. I, I, I learned as I went on what my triggers were. And, I, you know, that's something that's Colin, that Colin's working on. I think that's key for the players. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the junior setup as a whole, we've got, we're seeing good results from the, the youth setup in, in the GB from 16s and the 18s. England under thirteen just had a great tournament out in Quebec, the Pee Wee tournament. It's uh if the senior men make the Olympics, which they've now got a good chance of doing, do you think we're gonna see another explosion? No. I'm gonna tell you why. Because the Elite League employed me for a long time, and I've got a lot of respect for the people in, in the Elite League and for the owners that I uh, played for. They do a good job of their business. They've done a great job, the Elite League, with regards to the business side of it. Mm. But one thing they fail to do is realize that if they – there is no – no one gets more publicity for the national news than the GB senior team. So the – Sheffield Steelers are not going to have the same amount of publicity as what the GB team does. So if the Elite League were able to recognise that and support that GB senior team better, then I think it would benefit everything. You know, so it's like like call 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 the our senior team like if you if it was a tree. The senior team is the trunk, and then you have all your branches. You got to keep the trunk healthy. And if the trunk is healthy, then all the branches get to grow. And I don't think that's necessarily, if you consider where the Elite League is with the GB program, if you consider where the EIHA are with the Ice Hockey UK, like, there ain't nothing bringing this all together. There's no. nothing. Yeah, if anything, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything that no one knows, right? So it, it ain't good. Um, and of course, you're alluding back to when GB played recently, the Elite League didn't stop. There's 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 a lot, and you know the elite league don't recognise the the NHL national team, the NHL national league. They don't recognise it. Let's be honest, they don't. No, you know they've had a couple then, of players, haven't they, over the last couple? Yeah, of years. Yeah, but, but even like they don't even show them a whole lot of respect. Like, and there's just nothing tying it all together. So if the GB team went to the Olympics, there would be a boost. There's one thing having a boost. There's another thing about what you're gonna do afterwards with it. Yeah. And I don't feel personally right now that if we had that boost, and don't get me wrong, I would love the boys to make the Olympics. Like, I've got a lot of teammates still on there that I, that I adore. And for those boys to experience that, that, that would be amazing. My problem is how we, how, how we execute afterwards. That's my problem. And I don't think we've ever done that. No. Because we clearly haven't done it with Paul A. We haven't no. executed correctly, have we? I mean, what, what's happened since the, the team's gone to Paul A's? Has anything really improved? Like with regards to popularity and stuff like that? I, I don't think so. Any of these teams that do well attendance-wise is off their own back. There's never like a cohesive, hey, maybe let's work together. 
there just doesn't seem to be that. So I think that, yes, there would, if the boys made the Olympics, no doubt there'd be a, a, a boost. My problem is, is that how it gets executed afterwards. Mm. It's, it's harnessing a newfound popularity then. Have we got 100%. You know, you know, they talk about it, right? They talk about it like the, um, the, the Olympic legacy, don't they? Whenever they go to like cities and they talk about the legacy afterwards, about what, yeah. what happens off the back of that. We haven't done a good enough job of executing the boys being in pool A, and I, I don't see the difference at the moment. And again, uh, I, I'm happy to help, and I'm happy uh, to be proved wrong, but I just don't see it. No. And something we've, I've discussed, I mean, every channel is virtually discussing this, is, is about streaming of the game in general, for, of all levels, for free as well, not even charging for it, just getting it out there for more people to watch. And something that I, I was on 4,000 Counting with Watty a couple of weeks ago, it pissed me off that the BBC have announced in the last few weeks that they're now showing Netball Super League and Rugby Super League. They're minusculely supported in comparison to ice hockey. It's funny, you know, so I've got a good friend of mine called uh, Nick Rothwell, and Nick used to work for Sky Sports, and I spoke with Nick a couple of weeks ago. He does a really good job with, um, he's got a company called Retry, which uh, a, a lot of kind of like looking after ex-players and stuff like that. He does an amazing job. Yeah, I have spoken with recently myself. Yeah, oh, have you? Awesome. Yeah. Like, awesome guy. And Nick and I were catching up, and he actually said to me, um, he saw a couple of his ex uh, kind of colleagues at Sky, and... Um, they were saying, like, it's such a shame we don't have ice hockey on here, but it, but all the owners get in each other's way that there's no chance we'll have our own on Sky again. Yeah. Like, we just get in our own way. Like, it, that, that's frustrating, you know? And so, like, when it comes back to the stream, like, again, that's that's talking... It's a little bit like what I was talking before. Like, you have the trunk and you need your branches. And so there's nothing like watching a live game. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing like watching a live no. hockey game. Being like, there is, oh, yeah. I struggle to watch a game on hockey. I struggle of hockey on, on TV. Like, I do. Hmm. Like, being in in a rink, you feel the atmosphere, you feel the ebbs and flows, you feel, you kind of, you feel the emotion of it, and you can feel the emotion changing as the game goes on, you know, like it's a 2-0 lead and then someone scores to make it 2-1. You feel that in the building. Yeah. Like, you can't feel that on TV. So, with regards to the streaming, and, and listen, like, maybe, maybe, an owner might might listen to this and say, well, actually, Danny, you know, we earn X amount from that and it really helps us with our revenue. Okay. But it's just, it's small mind thinking and it needs to be big mind thinking. And so there are, for people to be able to watch it, like I'm, I, I've, I've never bought a stream. I've never bought a stream. I would love to be able to watch a stream, especially with like all my guys that kind of, that have gone on to play in like NHL National and, and NIHL One, like that would be awesome for me to go like be able to sit down and watch them and then help them afterwards. Yeah. But you're right, like the streaming is just something that would really make a big breakthrough for us massively. Mm. Well, I think a lot of owners, as you say, would probably be worrying it would affect their gate and and it wouldn't because as you say it wouldn't affect their gate. It's good watching it on the telly. You know, I, I like watching it. I, I watch the NHL late at night if I can stay awake, and, and I'm not too depressed as a Leafs fan. I'm a Leeds fan as yeah. well, mate. We're doing, all, we're doing all right. We're doing all right at the moment. We're giving that false hope again. Oh, and I said this the other day. I said they do this every year. Every year. <laughs> we, we were like, oh, it's <laughs> but it's it's good to watch on telly. But as you say, being there is so much different. And you could have this rink. You know, you could have Bracknell or Chelmsford that holds you know in the region of like a thousand, and you might have nine hundred people in there every week. 
if you start streaming it for free, you will get that that extra hundred really quickly. Hundred percent, they'll just want to come and watch it, and it's unfortunately, as you say, they're just getting in it, getting in their own way. They do, and listen, this isn't. I'm wary of trying to bash anyone because I, I do feel like I don't think there's any necessarily bad people in in the UK hockey. Like I don't think they're malicious. I think at times people get in each other's way and kind of ego kind of gets into it and that happens in life and that happens in, in all sorts of businesses and stuff. And so I, I try to believe that everyone is, you know, wanting to do their best, but I just think there are some things that you kind of, you, you, you kind of look at it and you're thinking, you know, like this whole dops thing at the moment, like I, I don't, kind of flittering out of what I see and you know I see the whole dots thing I'm thinking all right like if you think something's 20 games that's fine but A have a history of making sure that all those penalties are 20 games and B have a decent explanation like if you're going to do it like if you're going to die on your sword just be truthful with it yeah. you know and I kind of see like some of these things like you know this guy's got this game ban and then you know the same thing's happening and someone else has got a 10 game ban and you're like you got to, like, guys, you are killing yourself by just not having some sort of consistency here. And so then that then leads to the mass hysteria and people being frustrated, which then, you know, like, imagine, like, you don't know hockey and somehow something came on your timeline about the NHL National or NHL National 1 dots. You've got to be looking at it going, yeah, I, I ain't going there. No. <laughs> but we've got to think of stuff like that because everything's so viral nowadays. Yeah. You know, so like your professionalism of what you show is so, so important. And it just goes back to like, there's just some things that you kind of shake your head at and you're like, guys, please just, just sort this out. Just sort it out. Yeah. Okay. It does kind of work both ways. I mean, my previous episode this week, We'd, uh, we'd had a few things in, in the dots. So we obviously, I don't cover the national, but we had the um, Yesevic, I think it's Yesevic, Alex Yesevic from Hull Jets, who got 20 games for what to me looked like a solid hit. It just looked like the. the was that the one? I think, I think I saw that one. Uh, it was kind of like the video of it had the bench, one of the team's benches in the back. And it was, yeah, it was I've quite seen high. a couple of different angles. It looked quite high. It, it was I mean, quite high. It's not. I mean, what did he end up getting? 20 games. Like, that That ain't 20 games. No, it's it, not it just looked games. like the, the kid just wasn't prepared to take it. Yeah, and, you know, we do body checking clinics here, not just for people learning how to, to give a hit, but how to take a hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... Which is just I, as if not more important. Are going to be more important, right? And, um, like, that's, that's not 20 games. It's not. Uh, now, I'm a big component for safe hockey. You know, I, I don't... You know, my era was extremely tough, extremely tough. And, you know, the game is definitely quicker now. I think the players are more skilled. The game when I was playing was more tougher. However, I like today's game. I really like it. I like the way that the game is going. There's some certain things that need to be taken out. I still think, I think fighting should still be in hockey. Uh, as long as fighting is in there for the right reasons, as opposed to just trying to build notor- uh, notoriety. Yeah. Like if, like I kind of said at the start of the call, didn't I? Like the only reason why I fought was for my teammates. I, I'd done it because that's what the game was. Um, but I, I think, yeah, just it, it's it, it, the problem is it goes down to the juniors as well. 
So, like, the juniors right now, like, if you are playing two age groups, so say you're an under-16 and you play under-18s and you do something in under-18s and you get suspended for it, you've got to set out your suspension for the under-18s but can't play under-16s as well. There's, yeah. like, some kids that are missing out on, like, 12 games. And the thing that they've kind of, from what I've seen, there's been a little bit of, to be fair, a little bit of consistency with regards to checks from behind in junior. Checks from behind uh, right now, they seem to be three-game suspension. Now, the problem is, is that when you're only playing 18 games, that's a fifth of your season. Yeah. You know, so if you consider, um, I don't know, the Elite League where it's, what do you play, 56 games? Yeah, it's about 56 games. Like, that's like, it's over, over like, between 10 to 15 games. Like, like you have to pro rata it. You have to pro rata it. And the thing is, is that what needs to happen is that if a kid hits someone from behind, the reason why you give suspensions for junior kids is that you want them to learn from it and you want to make sure they don't do it again. And they recognize that that is a wrong play. If you give a kid a one-game suspension in juniors, I can guarantee you that's going to hurt him a lot. As a kid, you've only got 18 games all year. Like, you live for that game. Like, being suspended for one game is enough. And then just follow up with some education and say, all right, listen, this is why we don't want this in the game. This is what can, it can lead to. This next time, you know, lean up or maybe you kind of, you cuddle or, or like kind of cuddle him from behind instead of hitting him from behind, like in, kind of like embrace him. You don't need to send, give them a three-game suspension to send a message. It can be a one game and then educate them afterwards. And now you've got the kid back on the ice. Yeah. And, no, and those are the little things, right, that, that I just think it's just kind of like, from what I see right now is like, suspension, 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 <laughs> just, just yeah. throwing them out to everyone. <laughs> well, the, on the other side of it, you know, this week we had uh, Richie Pickering at the Championship Chieftains got given 10 games for a cross-check to the head, which, I mean, for me, 10 games is still harsh. That's, you know, best part of the third of a, of a National 1 season. But he did skate from the blue line off the play to cross-check the guy in the head. So you're, now, I, I, you're giving I him the opportunity. <laughs> you're giving I him haven't the seen that video. Um, I haven't seen that video by the description. If you're going to skate a length across someone in the head, then yeah, 10 games is, is what it should be. Um, I've got, I haven't seen the video, so I can't really comment on too no. much. So I'm literally just kind of going off your description, but that's the case and that's fine. But like, if it's like one of those where you're kind of, it's that split second and you and you kind of maybe hit like if you run at a guy and hit him from behind from like five five yards, then yeah, that's dumb. Like you deserve a big suspension if you're a senior hockey player because you should know better. But like if you're kind of coming in and the guy kind of turns and like your momentum takes you through and you hit him from behind, like that's completely different. And that's someone who knows the game will understand that. Yeah, I think hopefully like this if, is where Dops is going. Yeah, and, and if someone team. kind of, you know, like, you know, the boy that got suspended um, that we were just talking about for the high hit, he kind of, like, for me, like, I just thought it was just his timing was off. I don't think he was just, right, there's that guy, like, I'm going to intentionally hit him in the face. Yeah. I just thought his time was off. It was a poor hit. Um, but I don't think it's worthy of the suspension that he got. No, I think he got five game, five plus game within the game. And as you say, with a bit of look look back at the video with him and explain why yeah. he was given and that. Just explain it. Like that we just want to, we want players on the ice. We want players educated to know what they can and can't do to make it safe for everyone. 
You don't just have to whack out bands all the time. In some cases, there's some things that I've seen where I'm like, yeah, get that player out of here. Like, he doesn't deserve to be on the ice. Like, if he's just going to go around just being a donkey, like, we don't ha- we don't want guys like that. And, and that's not good for any of our junior players coming through either. If you see that sort of stuff, that's not good. But I just think they um, – and hopefully, listen, maybe they are. Maybe they are trying to get better on it. And if they are, then brilliant. Um, but it does need to get better. Yeah, I think from what I understand, I, I don't know the name of the guy, but there is a new head in charge, and over the summer he's putting something Nick. together so that next year it will be better. No, no, Nick is the new chair, isn't he, of, of England right. hockey? Yeah, I kind of uh, get confused. It seems like there's like a new person in a different department all the time. I kind of get lost. Yeah, by I think, yeah, Dops has finally got a, a new person. Oh, okay. I think that's starting next year. Like oh, that's good. He'll be putting something together over the summer to. Oh, good. Because as far as I understand, like the tier system is gone. They're getting rid of that. Right. And and incidents are going to be looked at in... Well, hey, like, it, then if they've recognised that it's wrong, then they should be applauded for that. Because we can all heart, we can all pile on, right, and say, like, this is crap, that's crap, this is rubbish. Like, if they're seen to be making a change, like, you've got to, you've got to credit them for that. Like, it's, it's two ways here, right? Everyone said that this is rubbish and needs changing, and they've gone, you know what, yeah, we're going to change it, so... That's important that we kind of recognise when they do do something right as well. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's two-way street. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something I said in the last episode was when they get something right, they, they've got to be applauded for that as well. Absolutely, they should. Yeah. You, you can't just be negative all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's something that I've really struggled with on, on the podcast itself. I've always tried to bring the positive out of everything. Yes, and and that's important in in all aspects of life, isn't it? The, trying to bring positivity more than what you bring ne- negativity. There's always going to be something that you're not happy about, frustrated about, uh, pissed off about. But as long as you're living your life more positively and saying things in communication with people and conversation that is more positive than negative, then you're doing all right in life. Then you, yeah, you're getting in the right space. So, Danny, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. Absolutely love talking to you about Ozone, the junior programs, and, uh, and that experience in the uh, the Youth Olympics. Sounds mental. It was awesome. Uh, keep up the good work, dude. Doing a like yourself, and like the, I know there's some other guys that do their podcast, and you know being able to promote promote hockey. I think that's awesome. I know that you're not someone that is going to go out there and play professional hockey, but don't for one second you know underestimate the good impact that you have. And that's really, really important that we have more guys like yourself because there's different, there's so many ways that we can help British hockey. It doesn't just have to be on the ice and yeah. it doesn't have to be someone that's a former player. You know, when you think of all the volunteers with the 50, 50, you've got to think of the referees, you know, everything that kind of makes the machine go. And like the way that you uh, do this podcast and the people that you're getting on to help educate people, hats off to you, mate, and keep up the good work. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. As much as anything, it's to educate me as well. Because, you know, I've loved the sport for a long time. I was never able to play it. So it's... Um, learning every day. I'm, learning I'm, every I day, learn yeah. I learn every single day. And uh, that's something we should all do. Yeah. Now, hopefully, I'm, as I said, when I was on uh, 4,000 with Wattie, I'm going to have a go with the Chelmsford Reapers at some point. Uh, well, we we do have an adult league here, mate. So if yeah, you do want to try three on three. So <laughs> oh, right. Making excuses but, um, already. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I can I can kind of skate. I can't really stop. I've, I'm missing a couple of ligaments in my right leg. So I just think you need to be able to drink a beer if you play adult, Rick, uh, yeah. from what I've seen so far. As long as you've, uh, <laughs> as long as you've got a smiley face and you can drink beer, then I think you play adult hockey. Yeah. That's, if, if our league's anything to go by. But I said I was one of the, I was like a lost generation. I think I could have been really good. But uh, I would live just slightly too far away from a rink, and I grew up very poor. So I was never. Well, you're doing a great job now, mate. 
Oh, wait, thank you. I really do appreciate that. Danny Myers, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Top man. Cheers, buddy. A massive thank you to Danny Myers for joining Zero Pucks Given. Absolutely brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Danny's experiences, uh, both in the game, on the ice and on the bench, are just... We we need them. We need them to push this country forward and push our love of the sport forward and try and get it out there. We've we've had a little bit of sort of social uh, interaction on our clips with Rachel Cartwright, the the GB player that plays for Queen Bees. Of you know, with the, as we spoke with Danny, you know, the streaming. We want to get this sport out there, get it out there to as many people as we possibly can. If they enjoy watching it on the telly, they're going to love watching it live. So really, is going to be. Um, I think over the next, possibly the next 18 months to two years, we need to see a massive growth and a massive explosion, especially if those GB lads make that Olympics um, and the GB women, hopefully as well. Then we can certainly sort of, uh, we've got a little bit of a little bit of fight in our corner then to sort of fight it with the with the streaming services or even with some of the TV channels as well to try and get the sport out there. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really do hope you've enjoyed uh, the episode and that chat with Danny. It was absolutely fantastic for me. True honour to have a UK Ice Hockey Hall of Famer on the podcast. So building down then, we are coming down to this week. It's going to be quite a busy week, obviously, with this one coming out a little bit later. Later tonight, we should have the the roundup coming out of this weekend's fixtures in the NIHL 1 South. Then we've got a couple of guests coming up this week. Uh, more with our line sort of talking about junior hockey that we've been talking with Danny. We're going to be talking junior girls hockey with James Waddington, who's part of the coaching setup at Chelmsford. They're bringing through some fantastic young ladies that are making their way through the junior setup into the Rattlesnakes and then up into the Cobras and the Pythons as well. Um, but we really want to sort of take a deep dive on how it is we're going to get more girls involved in the sport. As we've said, when we've been joined by some female players and coaches that are involved in the WNIHL now, it's growing, it's growing fast. We need to make sure there's a space for these girls as they start to come through. So that'd be really interesting to chat with James. And we are ticking down our list of, of players that we've had from the NIHL 1 South. Sort of moving from the start of this year, we've had uh, Mario Kiru from MK Thunder. We've had Owen Ryder from Invicta Dynamos. Brindy Caps from the Romford Buccaneers. We've had uh, Alex Murray from the Solent Devils. We've also had Brad Miles from Stratton Redhawks and Darren Elliott from the Oxford City Stars. So we will be joined by Kyle Bradburn from the Slough Jets, ticking down through those NIHL 1 South teams. Uh, and of course, as announced in the last sort of couple of days on the podcast, we'll also be joined later in the month by uh, Dean Burrell, one of the coaches from the Oxford Junior setup, who's also coached pretty much all over the country. Be a really interesting chat with Dean. We will be joined by Katie Dad, who's uh, Queen Bee's former Chelmsford Python as well, um, uh, and Cobra. So, I'll be really interested to chat to Katie, and we'll be joined by Chelmsford Chieftains head coach Lewis Clifford. Uh, we haven't spoke to Lewis on the podcast since the playoffs last year, which was just before he really took over at Chelmsford. So that'll be really interesting to see how it's all going. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you once again to Danny for joining me on, on Zero Pucks Given. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.
Digital Podcast Network.